Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome back. It's Wednesday, February 14th on the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined by Matthew Betts, and that's it. Dude, corporate isn't here. The suits aren't here to keep us in check. You know, these uh, head honchos. Dude, I mean, we can do whatever we want on this show. We got full control today. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about this this show. We're going to talk about uh, the most important position, I think, mm. in all of sports. But you kind of missed the lead, dude. I mean, it, it's Valentine's Day. And, and we've been talking about it. Is DynastyLovers.com a, a thing yet or what? You know, I'm not in charge of that part of our, our company. And I'm glad I'm not because there's an obscene amount of domain names that over the years... The ballers have, you know, christmasfootball.com. Who could forget a site like christmasfootball.com? Um, and you you need to report in. Is this is this live? Is this thing good to go? Still available. Okay. Well, yeah, no better time than Valentine's Day um, to be able to get a site like that for us. So, yes, quarterbacks we're going to talk about. I'm really excited. That's probably my favorite position. You and I will go into the weeds of the top six prospects and talk about them from a fantasy perspective, film perspective. Uh, we'll give some comps. We'll also, yeah, I'll, I might give a rant or two and I'll let you join in about what comps are at this point of the year, because whew, there are a lot of comps that people throw out there and some of it's just fun. All right. We, we, we like doing it. And other times you're just farting in the wind, man. There's nothing, there is nothing to a comp other than I saw one, that uh, Michael Penix Jr. is uh, comp to Tim Tebow uh, because they're both left-handed and there's nothing else similar in their games at all. <laughs> I'm just like picturing like vintage Tebow where he's just like plowing over linebackers and like one of the best running quarterbacks we've seen <laughs> in that time period. And Michael Penix literally doesn't run at all. So very funny. Um, yeah. Also, hey, I-, I saw a lot of Tua in his game too. Did you see that, man? <laughs> I mean, uncanny. These two, they are just the exact same. Dude, that's I mean he Cade McNown, he's every single left-handed quarterback that we've ever had in the NFL and that's the only people we can comp him to. So, uh, yeah, it's it's listen, uh, let's just go on the rant now. 
Let's just do it. I'm opening up a can because we as people, we like to make connections. We like things to make sense in our brain. And so we're, we're evaluating a player a lot of times like, okay, well, what have I seen at the NFL level that's kind of like this? And how can I use this in my evaluation? Part of that is great. And I, and I love doing that. We use that with draft capital all the time. Like when you and I look at our spreadsheets, we say this player was drafted with day two draft capital. Here's the other players that are also drafted in this range, or they have the same height and weight or, you know, similar college production. Those are all great pieces of the puzzle. The only problem is when you land on a comp, you are basically boxing in a player and people are going to hear different things. So last year, Anthony Richardson, a lot of Josh Allen you're getting, a lot of Cam Newton. I even use those because that's how you have to describe a player that is just freakishly athletic, but he's kind of a blend of all these things. So the, I think the point of with comps is not to arrive at one place, that there is a place for them, but it does, it cre- almost creates more problems sometimes because you are then looking at Josh Allen and saying, well, look at what he did from Wyoming to his rookie year to then how he progressed to being one of the best quarterbacks in the league and arguably one of the greatest rushing quarterbacks of all time. He's already second all time in quarterback rushing TDs, you know, six years into the league. So there's pros and cons and we we hold it lightly. We hold it with an open hand. Is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, I echo a lot of what you're saying where it's just like when you do make these player comparisons, uh, it's so like black and white of like, this is who I see him being, or that's what you'll read, you know, in certain articles and scouting reports and stuff. But like, oftentimes those comps are two really good players in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, Tim Tebow was obviously not, but um, you see like the best case scenario for a player when you comp them. Usually that's what I see when I read articles and, and other content. But as we always talk about, and kind of just a friendly reminder to everyone listening to this show being realistic about these prospects is so important. Like most of these guys just, and not just like these six, but just in general, rookies don't always hit. I mean, obviously, right? So I feel like when you comp someone, sometimes I, I feel like people just get too pigeonholed into seeing like, how, who can I comp him to that's successful in the NFL? And you, you vision in your head when you hear that as a content consumer of like, oh, well, that, that's who he's going to be, right? But every year uh, players fail and that certainly happens. So yeah, I don't like comps. I mean, I don't mind people when they throw out like, I see shades of this aspect of that player's game in in this right. guy or, you know, stuff like that. Like, I think there's a place for it, but man, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not a huge comp guy per se. Um, and I think sometimes like it almost feels forced when you kind of have to put a comp. So I'm not a big comp guy, but I get it if people like it. Now, let us be clear. We will be using those today when we talk about these quarterbacks and we'll talk about them in the sense of there are shades of this. I like it when people talk about attributes of a player. So we'll talk about Drake May, but it's like you look at him and you go, okay, there's there's a lot of Justin Herbert in his game. But I would say like he's 90% of Justin Herbert's arm. You know, like if Justin Herbert has probably the best arm and the way that he has his mechanics, the way that he, you know, throws from his base, it's awesome. I don't think Drake May is totally that. So I, I like using percentages. You and I talk about that a lot. Um, just I'll give you some fun ones from last year. I looked at JSN and I found comps from the biggest websites, which I will not name. Um, and here's all the comps that I got. So these are huge websites, by the way. Um, Julian Edelman, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, DeAndre Hopkins. Those are good players. No, <laughs> none of those people, 
none of them repeated the same comp, which I appreciate. Like a lot of times you can start copying and pasting and just kind of seeing like, oh, this is what this player is going to be. But man, it was, um, it was quite a ride from Robert Woods to uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, a little different. <laughs> That's good. A little, little different players. So, um, yes, in our Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, we just released the 2024 Dynasty Pass. And so every single player, you can see their production profile. You can see the metrics. I'm looking at our app right now, just scrolling through it. The other day, Andy on the main show was just being a terrible host and on his UDK app while he was hosting the show, but I'm going to do the same. Um yeah, you can just sort through anything, sort through our team opportunity, which we'll reference in a second. I could look at the vacated targets for, I don't know, the Bengals and go, wow, they have the most vacated targets in the NFL this year. So you can get all of that, our rookie mock drafts, all of that at ultimatedraftkit.com. Get in on the lowest price. And if you order by March 1st, let me tell you this, you will be entered to win a spot in the listener league. That is something that Betts and I have never been a part of. They barred us from it. Corporate said, no. You guys can't get in on that. Well, they don't want to lose. So, apparently not. And uh, so Listener League spot, it's the lowest possible price. You get a $5 gift card, a $10 gift card, a digital copy of a book that I help compile, which, you know, no better bathroom reading than that. So yeah, make sure you go to ultimatedraftkit.com. But speaking of opportunity, I was looking at the Bengals and I saw that 56% of their targets are vacated. That's the most in the NFL according to our data. And I wanted to get your opinion bets before we talk about these quarterbacks on Tamaurice T. Higgins. Okay. Just turned 25, your boy T. Higgins. Um, he's a free agent and he's young for his class. The production has been there on like a per game basis, but you know, last three years, I feel like he hasn't played a full season. The numbers haven't quite hit a ceiling. I mean, the highest he's finished on a season is wide receiver 17 back in 2022. And I wanted to get your gauge of temperature on Higgins as we enter into free agency season. Over the next month, we'll find out a landing spot for T. Higgins. But I tend to be a little bit underwhelmed and, and not as excited about wherever he's going to land. So I almost need you to talk me into this. And I'm not here to like, he say he's a bad player, but what could I get from a guy who's 25, is going to be on a second contract, somewhere else. Like I, I feel like moving away from Joe Burrow is a negative thing, but I could be wrong. I think there's two ways to look at it with T. Uh, the first is the quarterback play, which you're certainly bringing up. And, you know, if you look at who we have as the top teams, as far as team opportunity in the dynasty pass as part of that UDK plus, which by the way, dude, the app, I actually kind of forgot about the app, truthfully, <laughs> until yesterday, and I re-downloaded it, and I was like, oh my gosh, Like it's so slick, it's so clean, uh, I love it, and I think everyone will too, but I was looking in there, and you know, there's obvious teams of like, everyone's talking about, the, the Panthers got to get someone to support Bryce Young, right? Like, certainly, if T. Higgins leaves Joe Burrow and goes to Bryce Young, that's not great, right? Obviously, um, but there is also the other side of it, and you say, well, okay, if he leaves Joe Burrow, He's also leaving Jamar Chase as an opportunity to go be an alpha somewhere else. And that's kind of the the tricky part for T. Higgins, where I do think that's probably what he needs to have hap happen for him. If you're hoping to unlock a you know top 15, top 12 re receiver in fantasy, as long as Jamar Chase is there doing his thing and Jamar Chase is healthy, I don't see the path for T. Higgins to be a consistent top 12 producer. I think he can still be a rock solid wide receiver too. 
certainly we've seen that right the last couple of years wide receiver 17 wide receiver 22 in 2022 and 2021 respectively and just last year man i feel like people are kind of down on t but you know it was a really rough season just in general for the Bengals. you talk about how they got off to a horrible start with joe burrow and the calf injury t higgins himself dealt with hamstring injuries off injuries off and on he only played in 12 games and truthfully we should really be talking about him as a guy that played like nine games because there were some games where he came back and they would limit his snap count there were games where he left early because of injury obviously so just a complete lost season but when you zoom out and kind of look at this player it wasn't that long ago that people were comparing the underlying efficiency metrics of jamar chase and t higgins and saying they're pretty much the same when you look at them on a week-to-week basis specifically last year t higgins 11th in the nfl and epa per target He's a good player, man, and I think he's going to get a ton of money uh, if he does get a multi-year deal in free agency. And I've also seen some rumors potentially that he could come back to Cincy if they want to keep their core together on the franchise tag. I'm not sure. We'll find that information soon enough. But just a guy that I always want to bet on talent, especially at wide receiver, and I still think he has it. Yeah, the Bengals have you know their top six and cap space available. So there is an opportunity there to franchise him, bring it back. Uh, I see the Patriots are another team in our team opportunities. Like they're just dying for somebody uh, to be there. I, the Texans were a team before the season. And I was like, oh, I feel like that could be a good landing spot for T. Higgins. And then they look up they're like, oh, well, we've got Nico Collins, who's, uh, you know, on the final year of his deal. We've got Tank Dell. I don't know if it makes sense for them to spend in free agency that way. But it's just hard for me to see things getting better. I feel like it's more of going to be a lateral move for him where he's going to end up being kind of in that wide receiver 15 range. I, I, he needs to me like 145, 150 targets. I think he could do that. Just depends on what offense like supports that. So the Patriots who's, you know, who's the quarterback is it a rookie quarterback. But when I look at dynasty wide receivers, I feel like T Higgins has kind of lived off of this. I'm young. I'm tied to a good quarterback for so long and it hasn't fully clicked in a season where you've said like, this is a dominant player. Like he's been more of a wide receiver too. And so I think I'm just more comfortable thinking about him in that wide receiver, I don't know, 20 range in dynasty rankings and dynasty startup rankings rather than, okay, he's like 12 to 15 and you can kind of have this player locked in. Like he's still 25. So I think you're going to have at least two seasons of wide receiver two production, which is really good. But if there's someone in your league who've used this guy as he's going to a new landing spot and it's going to get way better. I, I I would be open to cashing that in and kind of getting a, you know, younger player in a pick as opposed to, you know, he's going to be 1,207 or 1,208. Like, I feel like we're, it's almost wishful think, thinking for me, but maybe I'm a little too uh, bearish here. Uh, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, I, again, we'll know more about how to contextualize these guys after we find out what's happening in free agency. But again, like there's this misconception that I think everyone wants a wide receiver one in dynasty, obviously, but you just said like, ah, he could be wide receiver 15. That's good, man. (laughs) I want that on my dynasty roster. If I get the wide receiver 15 to 20, assuming health and that that's been a big question for T Higgins, you know, (laughs) for a couple of years. Yeah, I'll take that. And so it's just a matter of, I think, how you value him relative to your other league mates, which I do see your point. Like if someone says, oh, man, he just got a three year deal, you know, we're 30 million to go to fill in the blank. And someone's hyped about that. 
I certainly can see where it goes south if the quarterback play is not as great, if it's a run-heavy scheme, stuff like that. So I'm willing to kind of see that path. But again, I always just go back to talent at wide receiver, and I do think T still has it. I'm worried. I was looking at the other teams. Like, if he goes to the Giants, it's like, oh, could that be just be a wreck? So I'll give you a couple of names. Who would you rather have? And then we'll get into the quarterback. Would you rather have T. Higgins or Drake London in Dynasty? Oh, Drake London. I would too. Would you rather have T. Higgins or Michael Pittman, who is a little older, but in the same free agency class? Uh, I would take Pity City. I think he's, to me, he's more likely to be locked into a wide receiver one role rather than T. Higgins, where I think it could happen. I just don't think it's a definite. We built this city. Oh. Yeah, baby. Now, I, I think Higgins this next year has a real ceiling outcome where I think Pity City's like more comfortably locked into a, you know, he's going to end up wide receiver 15. Um, and I feel safer there, but I just, okay, one more name. This one's really tough. Would you rather have JSN or T Higgins in dynasty? Oh man, we're going to have to do, we're going to have to have like an episode where we talk about second year wide receivers or third year wide receivers. And cause you got to be in or out, like you got to be actionable right now. Yes. That's a great point. And Let's be real, it was not great <laughs> the rookie year. T. Higgins has produced three seasons where he's been healthy, and even last year when it was really bad when he was on the field and he stayed on the field, he showed us he can still play. So I would still take T. Higgins. It's a coin flip for me. And I, I think your point when you're saying actionable is it's really easy just to look at your roster and go, okay, well, I drafted this player last year early in my rookie draft. I need to wait another year. There is a slipping slope. For instance, Traylon Burks. You probably took him at the 10, I don't know, six, 107, whatever you did in your draft. And through two years, like it's it's not good. The yards per outrun numbers are actually still like he had he's on life support, but like there's something there. So do you move on? And what what's the opportunity cost? What can you get in return? With JSN, I think it's still a hold and you still wait, but yeah, this this is one of those times in the offseason you really need to do some deep digging. So maybe we'll do an offseason episode on young wide receivers and where to cut bait. But let's move forward with these rookie quarterbacks. Hey, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. Last week, we talked about the running backs. We'll talk about the quarterbacks this week and then get into the wide receivers. And man, there are a ton of wide receivers. So uh, we got some great episodes, but quarterback is my favorite position to evaluate for the NFL. I won't say that I'm perfect. I won't say that, uh, you know, there's players that I've just colossally missed on. But I, but I do think for fantasy purposes, we can look at these guys from a couple of different lenses. So we'll be talking about their film. We'll be talking about, hey, here's what rookie quarterbacks who were drafted in the first round, here's what they've done, and here's how this player compares. Um, we'll also talk about just like what we look for, like what I like. And what actually translates to the pros. So one of my biggest hangups for any quarterback is, is he old? Is he an old dude? Um, and there's a couple dudes in this class that you're like, uh, well, maybe it's the reason why they're slipping on in mock draft boards. But specifically, when you look at film, and we'll talk about six players, what are a couple of the check boxes that you look for? Yeah, I think you can get lost looking for these insane wow plays, which don't get me wrong, like they're really fun to see on tape but one of the things that I keep coming back to is kind of like when I think about how players succeed in the NFL especially at quarterback it's a lot of it comes down to the consistent stuff down in and down out being able to deliver the ball in the intermediate area of the field 
quick decision-making, decisive, um, ability to process and move on to a second read. Those kind of things, they're underrated and we don't love them. They're not sexy for fantasy, but it keeps a guy as a starting caliber player in the NFL. And that's what you need for long-term dynasty value for these guys. I'm always hesitant when like the best thing about a player, especially a quarterback is like, this guy's deep ball is sick, man. How often are they throwing that ball in an actual NFL game? Twice, three times, maybe like that's not their only thing. And I'm not saying I don't want that. Of course I do. But um, that I think can get a little overrated to me. I definitely want to see the decision-making stuff. I think it goes a very long way in determining a player's longevity in the league. The other thing that I care a lot about when I watch these guys is when things break down, what do they do? Right? Like, it's awesome to be able to operate from a clean pocket, but in the NFL, chaos happens. You don't always go to a situation where the off- offensive line is great. Um, are they smart and decisive with throwing the ball away? Can they tuck it and run when they have to? Can they avoid sacks? That's kind of been a pretty sticky metric to look at moving forward year over year. So those are a couple of things that I look at on top of the arm talent. Yeah, the intermediate throws is my favorite thing. You know, I, I sort a lot of the time by just saying, like, can they slay in this area where you can move the chains if it's third and long. Uh, that matters a lot. If you can work through your progressions, if I see a player, it's like, okay, well, I only saw first reads or I only saw you know, a lot of yardage from screens and RPOs. That, that's, that's different than how it works in the NFL. And it's not an apples to apples conversation, right? When we look at college players in a college system, it's very different in the NFL. And I think the deep ball uh, conversation makes a lot of sense. In today's NFL, we're 70% of the time you're seeing a zone coverage look and a lot of times it's just two deep safeties where you can't do that as much. We just saw in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes didn't really have too many plays that were deep. They were just carving them up underneath. So we'll look at all those things. We'll talk about the breakout age. We want it to be around 20. We'll talk about the recruiting. I went back and looked at every single class and boy, did I uh, you know, scroll through some names, but I uh, found our boy Trey Lance, you know, back in his year was 46 overall in his recruiting ranks. Maybe <laughs> knew something. Oh man. Um, I hope the Trey Lance bit never dies, by the way. No, it never will, as long as he stays alive. He shows up in all my data sets. It's like, okay, what does this guy do in year three? Oh, well, I can't really add anything to it. Nothing happened on the field. So recruiting isn't everything. The level of competition does matter. So, like, are they playing against power five schools? And then I'll give you a couple of sticky stats that really do translate to the pros. And that is completion percentage, but more importantly, completion percentage over expectation. That's something we've talked about a lot. Uh, We've talked about it on DFS and betting podcasts, but what that does just tell you like, what is their yards per attempt like? The best quarterbacks in the NFL, their yards per attempt are going to be up because they're not just checking it down like Bryce Young did this past year. And Mike Leach, the, the, the great coach, former coach, says you can get a shortstop and teach him to play quarterback easier then you can make someone accurate. It's like such a great quote because Josh Allen is the outlier of quarterbacks who were really, really, really bad in terms of completion percentage in college and then were able to change the course in the NFL. It just usually doesn't happen. So if you're not completing a lot of passes in college where majority of the people aren't going to the NFL, it's probably not going to work for you at the next level. Yeah. That's a really good way to say it. And I actually really like that quote because it does make a ton of sense intuitively that, you know, and this is kind of, this goes to a lot of things in football, but also just in general, like when someone shows you kind of who they are and how they operate, there's a good chance that's, that's who they are. Right. And yes, players improve year over year. Um, things change when they get the NFL as far as coaching weapons they have, that sort of thing. But 
uh, like you said, the Josh Allen type transformations are not the norm. And in fact, we should not expect them to happen most years. They're, in fact, unlikely to happen. So, yeah, I think a lot of that does make a ton of sense when you're talking about scouting. All right. And, it, and we're doing all of that to actually translate it to fantasy. And I looked at every single quarterback who has taken the first round of the NFL draft, what they do for fantasy. Now, about 66% of them ended up being a quarterback one within two years, which is really good. Like, that's great. There also are a lot of cases of players where you're like, oh, they were done. It was very clear from the get-go that Zach Wilson wasn't going to work, that Trey Lance wasn't going to work. Uh, Daniel Jones took a bunch of years to develop. Josh Rosen was just done. Mac Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Kenny Pickett, Johnny Manziel, your boy Paxton Lynch. I mean, there are just so many different names that although they were taken early on, for fantasy, it was very clear that there was a line in the sand. This player wasn't going to work out. So we're going to talk about this, the film, the college production, and then ask, does it translate to fantasy after this quick break? Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. We're going to start this thing off with Caleb Williams of USC. We're going to organize these by the Ballers consensus ranks, which are in the Dynasty Pass. So Caleb Williams is kind of seen as the consensus. You and I talk about this a lot, but in the betting world, He's at, you know, minus 900, which basically says, you know, 90% chance likely this guy is going to be the number one overall pick. And it makes a lot of sense. We'll talk through the production, but he was a five-star recruit, number two in his class in 2021. He followed Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to USC. His breakout age is what you want to see, 18.8. So super young, super productive, not as big as I think people realize. Like he's only 6'1" and we'll see what he actually measures in, but somewhere between 6'1 and 6'2 is not this massive prospect. Not that you need to be 6'5, but a little shorter than what we'd usually see from a prototypical quarterback one for fantasy. But I think where I want to start the conversation with Caleb Williams is 2022 versus 2023. In 2022, he won the Heisman. 2023 took a step back from a statistical standpoint. So how are you you know, handling that, just knowing we got two different seasons. Yeah, I think that is a good place to start because 
like when you watch him too and you look at not just the numbers but actually watch him play in 2022 this guy was just unreal <laughs> like nothing could go wrong is what it seemed like and in 2023 you saw i think a lot more like turnover worthy type plays you saw a lot higher sack rate you saw him really have i think much more chaos in his game which sometimes he invites with how he plays and that can be good or bad depending on the situation but i think in 2022 it was like this guy is a generational you know prospect he's insane he is no doubt the number one pick and then in 2023 you kind of saw him take a little step back now there's still enough cumulatively in his college profile that i still think he should be the number one pick i still think he should be the number one rookie quarterback pick but you can't argue that in 2023 it was not as pretty as it was in 2022 no doubt about it yeah how he responds to pressure is kind of like the best litmus test for caleb williams because him creating out of chaos out of like you know under pressure is his trump card like he's incredible at being able to maneuver the pocket throw downfield or pick up extra yards on the ground it's one of those things that I have a hard time when I evaluate quarterbacks because you can look at that and go, wow, you know, this is, you know, everyone's giving him a Holmes comp. That works until it doesn't work. And I think in 2023, you saw the downside of a player that has won over the last couple of years based on just creating and avoiding pressure. You know, uh, his 3.6% turnover worthy play rate was tied for 95th in the league, according to PFF. His time to throw is usually like above three, so it was at 3.16 average seconds per throw. We usually like to look for a player that's just below two, you know, in the two sevens, because in the NFL, you're not going to have time to dance around. And so some of my notes when I look at the game film is he has good instincts as a runner, he's subtle, but he's willing to hold on to the ball. And that is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because he can stay in and fight. And that is awesome. Like you want that for your quarterback to stay in there to to see, you know, when the play breaks down. But it's a curse because you you see some turnovers because of it. So I, I'm not going to give a positive or negative. I'm going to say it's a neutral thing sometimes for him where it's like you can see the upside case of him escaping pressure. And the other side is, dude, th- like throw the ball away. So I, yes. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I just want to be a little bit firm that there are issues of if your trump card is escaping pressure. Yeah, it's it's I think it's a great way to to say it is like it's great and also at sometimes you're like let's just live for second and 10 man <laughs> like like it's okay. It's okay to throw it away. Um but when it works, it's special. It's it's yes. a very rare thing where he is he's very smart as a scrambler. He's really good as a scrambler, but also his ability to extend plays and create the wow moments to me are unmatched in this class. So that and that's why I think NFL scouts are so infatuated with him. Is like if it works, it's going to work and be a huge hit. But when you get to the NFL level of competition, gets harder. You don't have that as much time. You need to be more decisive. And so I think that's a good way to just frame it up. Like, look, this is the upside case, and it can work, and it can be incredible. But man, he took a ton of sacks. Man, <laughs> among the the big six that we're going to talk about today in this class, his pressure to sack ratio last year was the worst. Uh, over 20%. It's a really high number. He's got to clean that up in the next level. It doesn't work in the NFL. So if he can get the right coaching staff that kind of helps him mold that risk taking with being measured in it and smart about it, he does have a massive ceiling and uh, the arm talent's great. Like I said, his family ability is really good. His early production is awesome. 
Um, only played three years in college, which is rare in this class. We're going to talk about Michael Penix and Bo Nix, who have been around college football for forever. Um, he he has it. So, I mean, there's tons of upside. But like I said, there's a, a couple of things I definitely want to see him clean up. The other thing to me when I watch him scramble, dude, pull the ball in, man. I mean, there's so many plays where it's like Michael Vick-esque, where he's like running with it, still holding it as if he's throwing, but he's still 10 yards down the field. And, and it's away from his body. Like that stuff is is quite risky. But when we're talking fantasy, uh, the ceiling is there. I certainly see it. He's a, a really strong prospect. Yeah, when you add in the potential draft capital of 101 to you know 102, 103, somewhere around there, it bodes really well for him being you know having a high floor within the first two years of hitting 17 plus fantasy points per game. That's what I kind of use as a measure. If you can hit that in the first two years, you're going to be fine in the NFL. I did want to just throw out, man, when I watch his game film, he throws a lot of jump passes. Which like, you know, Mahomes does that, like there it can work, but it's like for a player that like when you think of his name and you think of everything, it's like this imposing player. It's like a lot of those are are, you know, not needed sometimes. And a lot of them are to wide open wide receivers against really weak Pac twelve secondaries. So I just want to note that, like some of the competition, and I'll note this with Bo Nix, you know, and Penix, like I just some of those games were just, you know, freebies. So um the Notre Dame game is probably his worst tape where he threw three INTs. There were a lot of big developing plays, which I just don't think in the NFL you're going to be able to roll out and just, you know, fart around for five seconds. It just doesn't work. But one thing he's good at, it's my last note, is the back shoulder throw. You can tell that they've practiced that a lot. In, in the Washington game, they lost. But man, like he was ready to say like, okay, we're going to go after that. He did it twice in a row with Brendan Rice where he's like, I'm going to go back shoulder I'm going to go back shoulder again. And that's something that, you know, the best quarterbacks in the league, they know how to do that. So everything that we're looking at, everything comp wise says, this is, you know, going to be a legit fantasy performer. I think he's more of a bigger Kyler Murray than he is Patrick Mahomes. But um, I don't know. Any, any other thoughts on Williams? Um, I mean, I think we, I want to make sure that we're being clear because we, I think you and I both tend to be a little bit harder on these prospects just to be realistic with people yeah. and say like, no, there's no perfect prospect. I mean, straight up, that's just how it is. But a lot of shows just give you all the good. And it's like, well, well how can this go wrong? Right. And that's what we're highlighting. But I just want to take a step back and say like, this dude is good. And like the arm talent is awesome. As I mentioned, I know a lot of people love his ability to throw from different arm angles which does work, but there's also times where it kind of leads to him like selling the ball a couple times. So I think if he just cleans up like that little piece of it, gets the ball out a little quicker, is more decisive with the, like I'm going to tuck it and run now versus trying to extend it and then later tuck it and run because I don't think that'll work in the NFL. Like I see a path where this guy becomes a stud for, for sure. Is he your top quarterback in the class? Yeah, he's he's still the top quarterback. I, and I yeah, think I agree. for... NFL standards and fantasy standards. And it's okay to have two different lists, people, um, because it translates differently. But the combination here, the draft capital and what he's special at, yeah. Drake May is number two in our rookie ranks. Andy has him at three. Jason, two. Mike, three. Uh, Five-star recruit coming out of Charlotte. I like his tape a lot, man. I just, I really, really like it. Uh, 21 and a half years old, 6'4". He also had to learn a new system in 2023, where their offensive coordinator uh, went from Phil Longo to Chip Lindsey. And so I like seeing a player that when they're, you know, given a change in circumstance, like he still performed really well. Um, you know, some of the numbers dipped a little bit, but he has an arm. 
And I said earlier, I think it's like 90% of Justin Herbert is what I would liken it to. And man, when he moves to the left, it's not an issue. And I, I love seeing that where like, you know, usually you talk, I'll, I'll talk about McCarthy later. Like he can move to the right and the throws are on, you know, on point. But when you can move to the left as a right-handed thrower and it just looks like, oh, you're making plays. I love it. I think he has really good touch too, even on short area stuff. So to me, it's like so far as just a pocket passer, he can make almost every single throw. But then when you add in the rushing ability and in decisiveness as a runner, like there's a lot to like with Drake May. Yeah, I think underrated as a runner. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Jane Daniels in a second. Everyone knows that. We talked about Caleb Williams as a runner. Everyone knows that. And I think a lot of people, when you see 6'4", 225, you think of like traditional big quarterback in the pocket. But man, he can be used as a design runner. He can scramble. Uh, and just to highlight kind of where he ranks in scramble rate in their final college season this year, obviously for him compared to like the last year's class, like and last couple years, Justin Fields, 9.1%. Jaden Daniels, 7.2%. Drake May, 5.6%. And then Anthony Richardson in college, 5.1%. So you have a guy who does have an, uh, a sneaky, I think, upside as a rusher, depending on how he's used in the pros. But um, th- there's a lot to like with him. I will say, if I am kind of talking uh, about nitpicking his game, I think there were times where he definitely struggled when the first read wasn't there. Like to me, I don't see him as an elite processor yet. I think he certainly could get there if he kind of uh, develops over time. But there were times where like, man, when the first read is open and he knows it's man coverage, he can hit his three-step drop and deliver a dime. But when he has to kind of stop process, okay, who's the next read? I think complex coverages kind of make him lost a little bit. And that's going to change as he develops as a quarterback, obviously. But that is one area where I think he needs to improve. I do agree, though, the, the kind of ability for him to still deliver an accurate ball, whether it's with touch or with power, off you know an unsteady platform, meaning like drifting to the left, kind of fading off a back foot, stuff like that, is why people are so excited about him from his arm talent perspective. So I do see it, obviously, um, pretty pretty awesome throws on tape that you'll you'll watch him and you'll just say, "Wow, that was that was incredible." Yeah, the decision making is probably the only, I wouldn't even call it a red flag. It's just something you got to improve where he is willing to take risks. I mean, I was watching the NC State game, which is the final game of the year, and they were down a ton early. And it was just one of those things where it's just like they were, they just had to battle back. And so he's willing to take risks. Um, and so there was some turnovers in the game. Both of his INTs in that game were straight drops from his wide receiver. So those, that's kind of stinks. But competitive, oh man, the Duke film was a really fun game. If you want to go on YouTube and just search that one double overtime game where he, you know, they just stayed in it the whole time. I, I feel like they asked him to do short area stuff. And then he could also hit that go route with Tez Walker, or some of these other guys that, you know, are in the classes here. So it's just a lot to like. He's the favorite right now to go number two overall. And I think his floor, is, you know, is probably five, like somewhere in that range if a team trades up. But you know, Washington is kind of the running joke. They have Sam Howell. They can get Drake May and just kind of move on. That would be interesting. But I I like that they're the rushing ability. It's not just like he piled on some numbers in some system where he's, you know, you know, a crappy team. It's like, no, this is a good college program that has produced college-level quarterbacks, even if not all of them are great. And I think he's going to be able to add, you know, 20 yards a game on the ground. I'm not saying he's like a, you know, a huge rusher, but the end of the year that adds up and you end up getting around 300 yards. That's awesome for fantasy. So, um, 
with the draft capital. I think the the low end comp is that he's Sam Darnold, but I think that he's more accomplished in college than Sam Darnold was, who's taken third overall. So, uh, any last thoughts on May? Uh, I don't think there's too much to add. I do agree with just to kind of drive home the final point here. To me, the rushing is is just kind of something else I want to really file away when I when I remember this guy, when I think about him in rookie drafts, like it certainly is there. And you mentioned, yeah, 20 yards a game, 25 yards a game, 30 yards a game, something like that, where you could see end of the season, you look back and you're like, whoa, 400 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Yes, we need that to be a top 12 guy in fantasy, unless you're an outlier touchdown thrower, of course, but that stuff does go a very long way and he certainly has it. So um, yeah, I like him a lot. Where, where are you with him as far as like number two behind Caleb Williams? Do you have Daniels ahead for fantasy? Where are you at there? I think, and that'll lead us into Daniels next. I have Daniels ahead of him for fantasy purposes. I do too. But I'm also I'm also very willing to say that it is you know mid February, and we'll learn a lot. So you know the best part is nobody is hopefully doing their fantasy draft right now for their dynasty league. Please don't do that, people. I don't know if your league does it, but like I don't like people that do startup drafts right now where you don't even know the landing spot for these rookies. Just like let's wait, but. It seems like Daniel's rushing ability is one of the few cheat codes that you could have available to you. And that's hard for me to pass up. In our first rookie mock draft, uh, in a one quarterback one, I took him it, it, at the 110, which I felt like, you know what? I didn't love the running backs on the board, wide receivers. I felt like the elite ones were gone. And he's one of those players that it's hard for him to be pegged as a comp. Like a lot of people want to say Lamar, but. He's very he's a more accomplished passer. Like Lamar had the stats to back it up, but in terms of just really clean um you know throws, like Daniels slayed this past year deep throws. So I think the hardest thing for me with Daniels is I feel like we should be talking about a different guy that was at Arizona State. Like it's almost like a different prospect instead of Jaden, it's just just a different dude. So I don't know how to reconcile that. So how how do you how do you look at Arizona State stuff and then move to this and go, okay, well, this guy just won the Heisman and broke a ton of records? <laughs> Dude, it's wild watching the Arizona State tape and then comparing it to 2022 and specifically 2023. You literally like watch him and you're like, this cannot be the same player. Like, This is not the same human being because at Arizona State, wildly inaccurate, terrible decision making, just airmailing throws left and right. Truthfully, not good. And then he gets to LSU in 2022 and you're like oh okay yeah i see some things on tape some stuff that looks promising we'll see what he does in 2023 and then this last year massive step forward as far as a player not only just um, decision making but rushing ability decisiveness accuracy quick release again not the same player as he was a couple years ago at arizona state so i like to see that like i like to see players when they can develop year over year over year the issue is that it kind of took a while to get there, right? Like it took five college seasons to get to where he is today. And that to me is kind of the knock overall on his profile of Jaden Daniels is that he is a little bit older. Again, it's not the only data point that we should care about, but it is a data point. And when you compare him to someone like Caleb Williams, who broke out early and also is super young for a, a you know a first round quarterback, like it's a knock on Daniels, no doubt about it. But man, the growth he showed as a player year over year, uh, pretty eye opening. Yeah, he was the number one dual threat quarterback back in the 2019 class. So 
There is some pedigree. He didn't just come out of nowhere. His his build is unique. I mentioned that, like 6'4", 210. It's hard to find a tall, slender, running quarterback. Lamar's the only one that you kind of can look at. And just to give you some perspective of his rushing ability, I looked at every single first-round quarterback since 1995. Okay, people? Long time ago, uh, all the way back to Steve McNair days. And I looked at every college quarterback that surpassed 18-plus percent of their team's rushing, rushing yardage. So that's a big deal. I mean, Lamar, his final season at Louisville had 50.1% of the team's rushing yards. It's like video game number stuff. Uh, Johnny Manziel, who uh, I know you're a, you're a huge fan, Bets. I know you really wanted him to be a thing. Die hard. Um, 45%. Next on the list, though, is Jaden Daniels. So since 1995, he is the third highest rushing yardage share at 43%. So that's pretty crazy production when you put that in context. I mean, it's better than Cam Newton, RG3, Deshaun Watson, Vince Young, Tim Tebow. I mean, all these other names, Kyler Murray. So from a raw statistical standpoint, it's hard to argue against this past season. I mean, he set the all-time NCAA record for average yards per attempt at 13.6. It's I mean, adjusted yards per attempt. The deep plays, they happen over and over and over again. We haven't seen a season like that since Burrow, also at LSU. But you mentioned this earlier, the deep plays are really cool for the tape. And they're really cool when you go to the combine and you get Malik Willis throwing this bomb or Zach Wilson throwing a bomb. I just tend to say that's more of like a bonus than using that as like the main talking point for a player. Yep, definitely agree on that, that it is... It's nice to have. I mean, like, if, if you're going to give me a choice to have it or not, like, I want it. But you get worried when that's, like, the player's calling card. I personally don't think that that is his only call- calling card. Um, I mean, obviously, the rushing, as you highlighted, just there's no one in this class to me that has the ceiling as a runner for fantasy that we care about that Jaden Daniels has. And that's why I take him over Drake May. And I mentioned Drake May is going to be, I think, a pretty good runner. But if you're talking about a quarterback that you can take in your fantasy rookie drafts and develop into you know, one of these top six or seven running quarterbacks that we have in our game. To me, it's Jane Daniels. Uh, really good, really explosive, really quick with his acceleration when he does decide to tuck it and run. He's not like a shifty runner. Like he's not like Lamar where he can, you know, stop and go and he's slippery in space. Like he's not that kind of guy, but when he decides to do it, he's very effective. So that's what I'm excited about with uh, Jane Daniels. I also mentioned really quick release, his accuracy, compared you know 2021 to 2022 pretty good in 2023 it was awesome so the accuracy definitely improved uh no doubt about it obviously it helps having guys like you know malik neighbors when you're catching the football and brian yes. thomas who by the way man when, when i was watching Jaden daniels i like couldn't stop watching malik neighbors we're going to talk about him soon um i think he's an unreal prospect but uh, there's a lot to like with Jaden daniels even though he is an older guy i think he could be a top five pick in the draft I think there's a chance he could go higher than Drake May, which I think might be a little hot takey, but if he fits a scheme better or, or you know, coaching staff likes him more, I don't think that's crazy. He has the flick motion where, you know, there's some quarterbacks where they're heaving it. And it's like this this seems like such a like so much labor just to get the ball. Chad Pennington used to be that way where it's like, oh, just for the ball to go twenty yards, it just feels so like so hard to get there. You know, Daniels can just flick it. And it's kind of that Michael Vick where it just, just launches out of his hand. Um, so you love seeing that. I My biggest note from 2022-2023 is it, it just looked like he was so comfortable in 2023 going to his second read. 
to going off script to just like make a decision and go where I feel like 2022 was a lot of scripted first read stuff. Um, but his arms there, I wouldn't say it's electric, but it's solid. And I think he's going to work in the NFL system. So I don't like the age, but I'm not going to count that against him when I have the rushing production. I don't want to count that against him twice. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where he lands. Cause I think fantasy wise, he could end up as the highest, you know, fantasy producer of this group, but you know, there's also concerns about his body size. Like, I mean, 210 is at 6'4 is just smaller than what you want. So uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about these other guys. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, we got three more quarterback prospects we're going to talk about. I'm really excited, actually, to talk about J.J. McCarthy and then the grumpy old men. We'll talk about the old dudes. Uh, But J.J. McCarthy, we have him ranked as our QB4 at this point in the season. And I came ready in the evaluation process to say, all right, we know this story. Guy wins the national championship. He gets elevated in our minds. But we know how this usually works. He's the sum of all of his parts. This was a running team. And man, I have really enjoyed watching J.J. McCarthy tape from 2023, where he's kind of been seen as like, oh, he's just a game manager. But man, there's a lot to like here. He's a half a year younger than almost everybody in this class. So you like that? 6'3". He's slender. He's only 202. But I mean, J.J. McCarthy has a lot of traits and a lot of accuracy traits that translate to the NFL. So I'm so far, I'm not saying I've watched every single game of JJ McCarthy's life, but you know, I'm about seven games in and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the, even some 2022 tape. Yeah. I think there's a lot of misinformation right now about who JJ McCarthy is. And there's no denying like the counting stats and you look at just his attempts and his yards and all that sort of thing. It's not eye popping, but Obviously, at Michigan, it was the Blake Quorum show. It was a very run-focused offense. But that doesn't mean he can't throw the football. J.J. McCarthy can sling it, dude. And there are darts all over his tape. When you look at his ability to deliver with timing and accuracy, just on crossing routes, on you know out routes, on NFL-caliber-type throws, he's 
really, really good as a passer. So I think there's a lot of misinformation about just who he is as a guy. And everyone thinks, ah, like, you know, he didn't throw for 3,000 yards. Like, how can he be any good in the NFL? Man, his efficiency was off the charts. And when you consider that he faced a lot of really tough defenses, no one among the, the six that we're going to talk about today faced a higher rate of his attempts against top 50 NFL defenses, or excuse me, college defenses. J.J. McCarthy was really good in those games too, man. So I know the numbers aren't eye-popping. I know it's not sexy when you look at a guy that's like, oh, he threw for 2,900 yards and what, 22 touchdowns? But this is a guy that can play quarterback, and I think his game actually is going to translate pretty well to the NFL. So I'm higher than market on J.J. McCarthy. I also know that there's a lot of people that might be kind of surprised to hear this, but I mean, I think he's a really good bet to go top 20. I think he's a strong bet to go top 15. And there's a lot of people in the NFL scouting community that think he's going to go top 10. So J.J. McCarthy might be kind of one of those guys that's a, a really good, I think, sleeper in this class at quarterback based off of, I think, the preconceived notion of who he is. Yeah, it's it, it surprised me because... I went in this not looking at anybody else's notes, like no comparisons, no nothing. I even went back to 2022. I was like, oh, well, obviously, you know, there, there's some things that he didn't do. Like the Ohio State game two years ago didn't look flustered at all. I mean, it was a big game. Both teams were undefeated and just looked like he's leading this team. They ended up winning. Uh, there's a bunch of awesome throws on third downs too. Like that was one of the things that when it was a money down, Money McCarthy came through you know, a lot of the time. And so rolling to the right, he can get zip on the ball too. His adjusted completion rate was second in this class. 26% of his attempts were in the intermediate area. So yeah, Betts mentioned like the volume's not there, but when you kind of look at that and say, okay, where did the majority of his throws go? Like that was number one in this class, him throwing the intermediate area. So that's something I love. Um, on third and six, this is from FanDuel's Jim Sonis. Like he was awesome on third and six and long. So I'm, yeah, my comp, just because, you know, comps are everything, as I mentioned earlier. They're the most important thing we, is I, I comped him to Alex Smith with a bigger arm. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it, but I think that's unfair. Like, and, and it's Alex not because Smith Alex Smith was, taken, was bad. He was taken I, first overall. Yeah, 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 I know. But I think when people think of Alex Smith, they're like, oh, he's only a game yes. manager. And, and yes, that is kind of what they sort of asked him to do at Michigan where it was like the run game is is our first priority then we can kind of get into our you know our our passing game but if he's asked to throw more volume like have more pass attempts I think he can do it like I think there's a mis, uh, misconception about like I said just he's, he's a game manager he's only going to throw the ball 25 times a game and he only can throw off play action like you mentioned the third and six or longer stuff the reason that's important is like defenses know they're going to throw the football and he was still insanely efficient and didn't take a ton of sacks in those scenarios either. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty high on JJ McCarthy. I think he's a little underrated. The other thing too that I, I know you mentioned kind of he's always like calm and collected, doesn't seem rattled out there. He's a guy who's gotten a lot of notoriety about his pregame meditation and it, it sounds kind of silly, but like I think it kind of matters. Like this is a guy that clearly kind of can you know take a step back stay cool under pressure stuff like that he did uh come out and talk about that stuff and said you know in high school i actually dealt with a lot of mental um you know i had some depression and mental health issues and stuff like that and he kind of worked on it and fixed it so that's kind of an underlying thing that like hey if if things go south in the first couple games as a pro like 
I don't think he's going to hit the eject button and panic. Like he's going to be able to kind of weather the storm a little bit. So like I said, I'm just overall higher on JD McCarthy. I think he's a pretty good prospect, a fascinating guy to see where he goes, because like I said, I think he's going to be one of those guys on draft night. When he hears his name called, people might be like, why are they taking him in the top 15? But this, he could be the guy that lasts three or four years in the NFL beyond some of these other guys that probably have a higher ceiling. And I would not be surprised about that at all. Yes. I think for fantasy purposes, he's probably capped compared to these other guys, but like NFL career, you know, working in NFL offense, I I could see him being a player that puts up, you know, 3,500 passing yards, adds another 250 or so on the ground, and he's going to have some efficiency seasons potentially. So I, yeah, I pleasantly surprised. I did not go into this process saying I'm a JJ McCarthy guy, or, you know, I was going to pound the table and say he's the dude, but um, I think for fantasy, he kind of sits in there as the quarterback four, and I feel pretty good about it in our rankings. Let's move a little further. The higher profile names from the Pac-12, Michael Penix Jr., we're going to start there. Him and Bo Nix are basically tied in our ranks. He's old. We have to say that first. His current age is 23.8, and you might say to yourself, wow, that's kind of mean, considering you guys are way older than him. How are you ragging on a dude who hasn't even <laughs> turned 24 yet? Fair point. Um, so just to give you some comps, I looked at every single quarterback who was drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. So keep in mind, I'm throwing out anybody who was third round or later, which basically means they weren't a hit. And the list is not good since 2000. Okay. It's, it's, you know, the only names that are real hits on this list are Andy Dalton, who had a good NFL career and probably had two or three fantasy seasons that were relevant. Colin Kaepernick had a little brief moment. Ryan Tannehill had a late career moment. Carson Wentz had, I guess, like two moments. I was going to say a single moment. (laughs) That one year, man, was awesome. And then Joe Burrow. And then I could give you a laundry list of other players. Carson Palmer, you could throw in that list, but it was a slow burn too. My point is, when someone is this old and they are drafted in the NFL draft, there's usually a reason. And I think you're seeing that right now. Michael Penix, right after the college football, uh, right after the final, was kind of seen as, oh, this guy looks like he's part of the first round. This is where people had him mocked. He has been slowly falling. Right now in Dane Brugler's rankings, which if you're not following Dane Brugler of The Athletic, change your life, do it. Uh, He has him 57th on his big board. And I'm seeing him routinely mocked in the second to maybe even third round. So that's not where we get our evaluation, but it does make sense based on his age and based on him as a prospect and as a thrower, he's kind of limited. So I, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to be way lower on him. Yeah. If you like to play this game in a spreadsheet, Michael Penix is not for you, right? Like you talk about a guy that's got to be 24 years old if, and when he takes his first snap. Um, you talk about a guy that played six seasons in college, and I know a lot of that was the COVID year and injury issues and stuff, uh, which, by the way, two ACL tears and two season-ending shoulder injuries in his profile. Um, but you throw those things into the mix, and you add the draft capital in of, I think, best-case scenario is he goes in the middle second round, if I was kind of projecting where I see him as a range of outcomes. Maybe early second, but like sneaking into like the middle second to back second to early third is kind of where I see a possibility for him. Those guys just generally don't work out. And Kyle listed some of the names that did work out among the older round one quarterbacks. And 
the list is not great, right? <laughs> it's obviously not great. But when you throw in the fact that he probably won't go round one, the hit rate is just so low. So yeah, I mean, I, the name is there because he had an awesome last season, went to the college football playoff, you know, all those sort of things. But it's just a guy that I'm not really into. And you talk about, okay, well, can he add enough juice and ceiling for fantasy? This is a guy that did not scramble at all, doesn't really run. So I just don't see it personally. Um, I will say the the arm talent, as far as the arm strength, is there. Like easy flick of the wrist, he can make a lot of throws. He's pretty good when uh, he pressures in his face and kind of avoiding that and staying in the pocket and still keeping his eyes downfield. Those are things that are really good. But to me, there's just a lot of negative in his profile. That yeah, I, if someone else likes him more than I do in my rookie draft because of the name, I'm I'm happy to to be out. And just reference, you can read this in the Dynasty Pass. I had I think it was a 301 in our rookie draft in in the mock or 302. 302. And I took JJ McCarthy. And I, I remember at the time a couple people that were in the mock were like, "Oh, surprised you didn't take Penix there." And I think that's kind of how this offseason has started for Penix where it's like, "Oh, I could see him being like in the back of round 1 or like really early round 2." And now as the the weeks unfold and we get more information and we kind of let the college football season just kind of, you know, come to rest here, I think he's going to be a little overrated as a prospect in my opinion. One of the things that just stinks for being left-handed, and I'm saying that my son's left-handed, so like I'm learning life and how to coach him as baseball players. It's just different. NFL teams have basically allocated almost all of their resources to right-handed quarterbacks for years. I mean, it's there's a reason it's Tua and basically nobody else because of the way that they do protections, the way that they draw up schemes, the way they do everything else. So it, it can take a special team that sees him and says, he has the traits I want and he has the traits that I can use in the NFL. It's just, if I were a betting person, I would say that in the NFL, it's just easier to see a player who's this old slide. We saw last year. Now this was an injury thing, but Hendon Hooker, an older player with crazy production his final year, people are like, Oh, he's going to make it in round one. Didn't make it in round two. Like it's, it's players like this usually end up sliding. And I found in his film that I just liked his wide receivers more than him. A lot of the times, like he can make the throws. I agree. He's just a little bit more stiff. And for a fantasy perspective, it's like you need an outlier touchdown season. If he's offering nothing on the ground, you need him to put up a, you know, six and a half, seven percent TD rate. And I'm just going to always bet against those kind of players. His Pac 12 championship tape is really good against Oregon. I like that a lot. And, you know, I will talk about Bonix in a second. But like, there's a lot of good things on the film of him as a thrower. But there's also a lot of things that I think just won't translate. So I'm interested to see what he measures in at because on some sites it says he's 6'3". That dude is not 6'3". No no way. He's going to be 6'2", and it wouldn't shock me if he's even lower. So um, check back in with that didn't later. He, didn't and he weigh in at the Senior Bowl? I, I, I didn't see what he weighed in. We have him at 213 right now. I'll look it up. So um, Bo Nix is the final player that we're going to talk about from Oregon. Confess, confession, people, Oregon players are really hard for me. As a kid, I had some Oregon Ducks stuff because I just love them. My 2003 NCAA football video game with Joey Harrington on the front, I played the tar out of that game. Oh, yeah. And I always played played as the Ducks. So I have a little bias that I've always had a soft spot for Oregon Ducks players. But their system translating to the NFL is very, very hard. It just doesn't always work with the RPOs and some of the defenses. For instance, Knicks, last year, 
Only 41% of his pass attempts came against top 50 defense. That's the lowest of his class. So a lot of the times when I'm evaluating him, I'm like, okay, here's some like backup, backup college, Portland State or something that you are playing against. And I can't fully like lean into the film from that game because it's very clear this team is in control. Uh, They know what they're doing. So any initial thoughts on Knicks? Yeah, real quick, just to, uh, I mentioned I was going to look it up for Penix. He weighed in at 212 and just over 6'2". So good eye. Good eye there on the film, Kyle, not 6'3". Um, but, but yeah, with Bo Nix, um, he's really interesting because again, kind of like the Jane McDaniels discussion, like the guy you saw at Auburn, just so different, you know, he was very overwhelmed at Auburn. And I think he kind of had this like high standard of coming in as a freshman and starting in the sec and truthfully flopped and, and, you know, took a few years to kind of get out of there and then goes to Oregon has success. Um, I think from a tape perspective, like to me, he was really good when he was in rhythm, like in the offense where it was very quick rhythm based throws. He was really good. I noticed a big time improvement in his pocket awareness over the final two years of his career, obviously compared to Auburn. But uh, the A dot was so low. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, that's helps you compile numbers in college, especially on an offense like Oregon, where they were, you know, prolific. I just think the production is a little inflated. And when you throw in that type of stuff to, again, a guy that played five years in college, who's 24 years old, we just talked about the issues with that. And Michael Penix, um, again, kind of like that overall probability based standpoint that we play this game. We just make a bet when you take a guy or don't, I will probably be a little bit lower than market on Bo Nix. It'll be interesting to see where NFL teams slot him in, because I could see him going in the later first round and a team says, oh, I can work with this. I can work with the player, you know, that set the FBS record for completion percentage. But a lot of those you mentioned is inflated. Like if I'm just shifting some of that and looking at downfield throws a little different, only 11% of his throws travel 20 plus yards downfield. So it's this weird internal struggle I have because I don't really care what you're doing 20 plus, but I need to know that you can actually still do it. And so a lot of his short area stuff is just going to work. Screens, RPOs, he'll have a learning curve with the NFL playbook. As a runner, he's subtle. I think he's decisive. I, it's it's funny because at Auburn, I remember watching SC games just thinking like, okay, like I just, this is just the dude. This is another dude. But Oregon, uh, a lot of good stuff against Oregon State. Um, he had a great game on the ground. Uh, Pac-12 championship tape. I really like that one too. Um, I did see some second read problems where it's like, I just, when he's, when things break down as a passer, I don't think it's great. I did love watching their tape though, man. Like you mentioned earlier, Malik neighbors, Troy Franklin is a really, really fun player. Bucky Irving. I mentioned him on the running back episode, a really fun player. So these, some of their parts, I liked watching the film and I'm a sucker for Oregon players, but I feel like I just need, he's going to be a player that's like, I could see him end up being, you know, QB4, QB5 in this class if a team falls in love with him. But I, I just have a hard time. My comps, for the comps people out there who are just like, please, Kyle, tell me who he is. Uh, he's a more athletic Andy Dalton or the high end, the highest of ends. He's Kirk Cousins with wheels. I mean, if you got Kirk Cousins, that'd be uh, that'd be incredible. Yeah. So but I don't he think also could Kirk be Cousins. my... My low-end comp was Colt McCoy with a little bit more zip on the throw. 
Colt was kind of fun for college. That's and that's the thing. Is that going to be like the tale of Bo Nix? It's like remember him? He was a really fun college quarterback who set some records for completion percentage, but didn't translate to the NFL. So I don't know. For fantasy, I think I'm just going to say TBD. I mean, I'll be uh, personally, I'll be a little more aggressive in just saying I don't see it as far as the translation. Um, you know, a guy that like you you just mentioned kind of the hit rate or lack thereof of these guys. And I don't think he's a lock to go round one. I think he's probably someone that could go back around one to early to mid second round. Um, yeah. So you combine kind of those factors with the age and the breakout age is not good. Like it kind of took a while for him to be the dude. Those are really red flags to me. So again, that kind of stuff combined with uh, the tape was okay in some aspects, but not incredible. Um, just not a guy I'm I'm super high on personally. Yep. And we'll get to see once we get closer, our super flex rankings, you know, how high do you really take a guy that ends up in the second round? Like it, the hit rate's not been good. If you said, you know, I'm going to reach on the Kyle Trask or the Will Levises of the world just because I'm in super flex. So we'll see where he lands. I did want to mention just two other names. Just say their names. We'll move on. Spencer Rattler of South Carolina, who has had a wild ride from being the number one high school player to being the favorite to go number one overall two years ago. I forgot like about heading that. In, yes. Him and Sam Howell were the favorites to go number one overall two years ago. Um, ended up at South Carolina. Now he's a redshirt senior and, you know, we'll see where he ends up. Probably as like a fourth or fifth round pick. And then Michael Pratt of Tulane, interesting tape if you want to go and look at some um, some green wave tape, you know, the wave. Some people are just down with it. But uh, yeah, those are, those are the main names. Um, we'll have some other ones if you want to look deeper in the Dynasty Pass, part of the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. But Bets, we went through it, man. We grinded the tape, and I feel like we're mostly in step. Mostly, I think. We're not sniffing th- each other's farts, though. No, 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 no. God, no. I would never. Who would do that? Yeah, it's it's easy in prospect evaluation time to just go, ooh, I like this comp or ooh, I like this thing. And you end up only breathing in optimism. And so we, I feel like we gave a healthy dose of like, here's what we like. Here's the downside. Um, if someone might be listening, like you guys are just idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's okay. Well, also might be true. Yep. So next week, we will get to talk about the wide receivers and the ballers will be back. We'll see you then. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.